You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Holy crap. That's how I got to start this thing. Holy crap. Now... Before I get into any details about this game and what the hell we just saw, most nights over the last few months, I have not been DVRing games. I have a kid. Me and my wife put the kid to sleep. I say, hey, baby, I'm going to go watch the Nets play or I'm going to go watch the Mets play or whatever the hell sports I'm watching. Tonight was a little different. Tonight, we sort of had a date night. We went out to dinner. I said, don't worry, baby. The Nets start at 8 o'clock. Okay, we get home at 9. I'll be a little bit behind. Not a big deal. So this was one of those nights where I was never live. And, and it's odd because most of this NBA season, and really this past baseball season, I've been live a lot. I haven't had to go the DVR route. The reason I've gone the DVR route in my lifetime is not because I want to skip commercials, but because it's nice to have a life occasionally. It's nice to say, hey, baby, we can go out for dinner tonight. Hey, baby, we can do this. I'm just setting this up. Trust me, I'll get to the euphoria of what the hell we just saw or what you saw last night, depending on when you're listening to this version, this instant reaction version of the Evan Roberts podcast. Hi, by the way, I'm Evan. The only other game this season that I DVR'd, there's only one other, was the Pelican debacle. And I'm talking about the Pelican game in New Orleans much earlier this season in which they blew it down the stretch. And what happens during these DVR games is that when things start to go really, really bad, you start to have this urge to skip. You have this urge to say, let me jump up a minute or two, or maybe more than that. And this was one of those nights where, thank God I didn't, because I needed to watch every second of this. When they're down by 12, and then they cut it to 10, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Here's the run. And then James Harden makes a three. And then they cut it back down to eight. And James Harden hits a three. And this is all in the final four to five minutes. I'm glad I didn't skip it. Because if, God forbid, I skipped it, or I said, ah, we lost. Let me let me go just check the NBA app. I, I <laughs> First of all, I would have lost this incredibly special moment for a January basketball game. But I probably wouldn't have believed it. So I was delayed by about 20 to 30 minutes eventually because you, you eventually start to catch up between commercials, uh, between halftime, you know, between that kind of crap, you start to catch up. So I ended up finishing this game 20 minutes or, you know, maybe a half hour after it finished. And I, I don't think this podcast, unlike some of the other net ones, I don't think it's going to be filled with a lot of substance because my brain doesn't work right now. I couldn't give you any freaking substance. I can't break down why D'Angelo Russell sits with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I can't even complain about it, the fact we never saw him again. 
You know, I can't break down the plays that are being run. I can't do anything because I'm still stunned that they pulled this game off. And you know something? For any Net fan listening, do we not freaking deserve this? And I'm not talking grandiose about the season or where it's going or any kind of fantasies. I'm talking about the garbage that we watched as far as this team blowing brutal lead after brutal lead to good teams throughout the month of, what was it, November, December, whenever the hell it was. There were so many of these. There were so many games like this one against the Rockets in Houston on Wednesday night or tonight, whenever you're listening, that we blew. We were the ones who blew it. We were the ones, and the Memphis one, for whatever reason, really sticks out at me of all the blown games that they had during the eight-game losing streak. And the game I mentioned, the Pelican game, that was actually well before the eight-game losing streak. That was when there was still hope with this basketball team. It was early on this season. But this is the kind of game where I still couldn't believe it. Even when they took the three-point lead and Jared Allen grabbed the rebound and Joe Harris got fouled and made the two free throws and they had a three-point lead with about a second and a half to go. And shockingly enough, and the Nets, I, I, I don't even remember because my brain is fried. I'm going to assume they did a great job denying the ball to James Harden, which forced Nunnally to take the shot. I think it was Nunnally who took the shot. But even at that moment, when that shot doesn't go in, I still couldn't believe they won this freaking game. How the hell did they win this game? And I, I love the fact that as this game is going on, I found myself staring at Spencer Dinwiddie because I've kind of been obsessed over the last few games with the fact that Dinwiddie has really cooled off. You know, Kenny Atkinson called it a slump. Spencer Dinwiddie said, I'm not in a slump. And then Kenny Atkinson apologized. Whatever you want to call it, because it has been a slump. I don't know how you can deny that, Spence. I mean, you weren't shooting the basketball well. But it wasn't just that. You saw a lack of aggressiveness from Spencer. He wasn't taking it to the basket as much. He wasn't playing hero ball as much, which I know can drive us nuts sometimes, especially when they're not going in. But then on a night like tonight, hero ball, I want to make love to hero ball. I mean, hero ball got them back in the game. How many threes did he hit in the final seconds of this game? So to see Spencer, who went through, what was it, a five or six game run, of not being the Spencer Dinwiddie that we looked at and said, oh my God, you have to extend this guy. I think that was great to see. And I think that's probably a part of the reason why we didn't see a lot of D'Angelo Russell down the stretch. But what was so stunning about this game, I mean, there's a million things that are stunning about this game. But one of the stunning things was in the fourth quarter when they're down by 13 and then they get it to 10 or they get it to 8. I was mentioning this earlier. How many times... Did the Houston Rockets hit a three that made you say, okay, that's it? You know what I mean? And I was accepting the loss because this is a tough game. I understand they're banged up. No Clint Capella, no Chris Paul. They did get Eric Gordon back, which I had mentioned on the air. Hey, they're probably going to play without Eric Gordon. Well, they didn't. Eric Gordon returned after missing about eight or nine games. It obviously still is the James Harden show. I understand that. They have good role players. P.J. Tucker's a guy I like on my team. No doubt we had Gerald Green on our team. He didn't shoot the basketball all that well tonight, but you know, he's a pain in the ass. But how many times did we see over the final few minutes of this game, just regulation, the back-breaking shot? The one that jumped out at me was Dinwiddie a three-point play that got him to eight with about two and a half minutes to go. 
And, okay, a couple of stops here, a couple of stops there. Nunnally hits a three. Gets it back to 11. And that was the one where I thought, all right, that's pretty much it. Then there was another one. Another Spencer Dinwiddie drive and make. Got him within five with a minute and a half to go. Still a long shot. You know, down five, a minute and a half to go. You're in the game. You don't feel great. And P.J. Tucker hit a three. And, okay, that's it. They got it with an eight. All right, that's it. And then after that, they made their run. And then the other moment where you say, all right, that's pretty much it, is after I think they had pulled within... I think they had pulled within three. I'm trying to do this on memory, so I apologize. They pulled within three. Harden hits a couple of free throws. Then they pull within, I think it was three again, or maybe it was one. You know what it was? It was one because Dan Woody hits the three. They're down a point with 20 seconds to go because that was the moment where I'm thinking, all right, this could be a one-possession game. Hits a three, gets it to one, you foul. Even if they make the two free throws, all right, three-point game, you got a shot to tie it. And the guy they fouled was P.J. Tucker, which gave you hope. Because when James Harden gets fouled, you assume he's making both. And why shouldn't you? So they get the foul on Tucker. That was after they trapped for a little bit. So a few seconds were taken off the clock, but they fouled the right guy. They fouled P.J. Tucker. And he misses both of the free throws. But in fashion like I just described, the, okay, that's it, Harden and I think he committed a foul. I know I'm being biased right now, but who, you know what? Who gives a crap? They won the game anyway. But James Harden, I thought, comes over the back, tips the ball to himself, gets fouled. So now Harden's going to the line. So the dream of, wow, maybe he misses a free throw. It's a one-point game or it's a two-point game. Goes back to what you originally thought, which is, all right, it's still a one-possession game as Harden makes the two free throws. And then Dinwiddie hits the game-tying three. And then they played it up straight up against Harden. They forced him into a long three, and that got it to overtime. And I never felt, even in overtime, all right, we're going to win this game because they still have the best player on the court in James Harden. And as well and as experienced as the Nets have been in overtime, I don't know, maybe it's just that st- still that feeling of I don't trust them. And what do they do in overtime? <laughs> they go down seven. They, go, they fall behind by seven with about a minute and a half to go, and Travion Graham, who I got to give a lot of credit to because and I think I tweeted it the other day, I don't believe if anyone's ever actually seen Travion Graham hit a three. Has anyone actually seen him hit a three? I know if you look at the numbers, you saw that last year he shot like 41% from three, but it's very difficult to believe. Travion Graham was awesome in this game for many reasons. Not only did Kenny Atkinson basically say, go defend James Harden, and I understand Harden had a ridiculous game, but I thought Travion Graham at least hung in there a little bit against him. But he hit some shots, including the three that brought them within four. And then they started to play defense. They forced a missed shot. They forced a turnover. Jared Allen cut to the basket on a great find by Spencer Dinwiddie, and he gets fouled. Then he misses the free throw, but here's Travion Graham again, tipping the ball out, and then Dinwiddie hits the floater, and then all of a sudden, after he hits the free throw, they're up a point, and the Nets somehow, after being behind by, and I got to see the furthest they were behind in the fourth quarter. I don't have it off the top of my head. I remember them being down by 13, and it may have expanded further than that, but Forget about how much you're down in a game. The Nets were up by 15 very early in this game, too. It's not about that. Comebacks happen in the NBA. It's about the time left where they were down. And they kept fighting. 
they kept fighting. What a freaking victory. Oh, my God. I, I'm I'm trying to comprehend where I rank this. I mean, I, other than playoff games, and I would exclude all of them, whether it was Game 7 against the Raptors, even the Darren Williams game against Atlanta in the 8-1 matchup, I always have to take out playoff games. You have to just look at regular season games. This is as ridiculous, <laughs> that's the word I'd use, a regular season win as this franchise has had in a very long time. They've won some really good games. I've done podcasts about them. You know, the Laker game was a really fun game. It was a good win. The Boston win the other night was a really good win. The Raptor game, which started this win streak and started this run, was a fortunate win. Fred, Fran, Fred Van Fleet missed a wide open look. But from the sheer magnitude of doing this A on the road, Coming back, oh, the Charlotte game, I shouldn't forget that one, the first of the home-and-home. Home. That was an, an insane game. But just the sheer comebacks of this game, the fight that they showed in this game, the heart that they showed in this game, it's tough not to think there's something special here. Now, I don't know what that means, by the way. I don't know what, when I say there's something special, I don't know what the hell that means. I'm not saying they're winning a championship or anything, but this roster and maybe it really is learning from the eight game losing streak and all those losses have taught this team such a lesson but they are doing this without Karis Levert they're doing it without Jarrett Dudley who you know I say that as he's not Karis Levert but we know about the leadership he at least supplies on the court this is remarkable and, and hey down the stretch they did it without D'Angelo Russell by choice with Kenny Atkinson, which is so fascinating to watch how this evolves. And, you know, Ian Eagle made this point, or at least I think Ian Eagle made this point, and I, I actually do think this matters, especially in a, in a sports world where we see so many guys talking about themselves. And I got to tell you, I didn't watch D'Angelo Russell in L.A. I know that the NBA fans of the national media, the Lakers, are like their local team. So they want to judge D'Angelo Russell by Los Angeles. I could give a rat's ass about D'Angelo Russell in Los Angeles, okay? He's in Brooklyn now. So I judge D'Angelo Russell by right now, by what I've seen over the last two years. Okay? And he did immature things in L.A. I'm sure we all know about what happened with Nick Young. This guy, and I think most athletes, would be pissed that their coach routinely sits him in big minutes in the fourth quarter and overtime of games. And this is not the first time Kenny's done it, obviously. If you watch the Nets all the time, you know it seems to happen more often than it doesn't happen. And a lot of times, as a fan, I'm perturbed by it. Tonight, I'm so giddy they won, I'm not even thinking about it. But I want to point this out. D'Angelo Russell is on that bench screaming and yelling and dancing, and he's pumped up. And how many athletes in all sports would make it about themselves and be pissed off. So I don't know if the Nets are going to re-sign him long-term, okay? I don't know what happened in L.A. I don't know D'Angelo Russell personally, all right? I don't know how this is going to end with the way Kenny Atkinson plays him down the stretch. But when I see him being the team guy on the bench the way he is, cheering on his teammates on a win like this, and not just, look, I'm not saying he's going to walk off the court, but maybe not be as enthused as he is, that means something, and I give him credit for that. Because he has a right to be pissed off. In one breath... D'Angelo Russell and his teammates think he's an all-star. In another breath, this all-star is not playing in the fourth quarter of a game against the Houston Rockets or overtime. So, from a maturity standpoint, either he's grown up or everybody in L.A. was wrong. But you know what? Who the hell cares? Somehow the Nets won this game against the Houston Rockets. They pulled it straight out of their ass. 
they came back over and over and over and over again. And I don't want to hear from anybody saying, oh, geez, you lame net fans. What are you excited about? You're excited for our first round exit? <laughs> Screw you. When you win a game like this, when you go from 8-18 eight to 500, this is a 500 basketball team out of nowhere, damn right we're going to be excited. And that's all I've got to say. This has been a very joyous instant reaction edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.